Yeah, I, I almost just want to join in with the Tata Yebo. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, that's uh, Yvonne Chaka Chaka, Power of Africa. And uh, speaking to the Power of Africa, and you know, we, we have so many challenges as a country, as a people, but equally, we have so much insight, um, uh, so many intellectuals that can help us map a way uh, forward in, in all the challenges we face. And right now, we're looking at uh, a conversation that was had in August. 2015 at Mapungubu Institute uh, for Strategic Reflection. Um, they published an outcome of a research project on social cohesion entitled Nation Formulation and Social Cohesion. And within this conversation came uh, questions around whiteness, Africans, Africaners addressing post-apartheid legacies and uh, privileges and burdens. And uh, to help us just unpack what exactly happened um, during a dialogue uh, where uh, former President Khalima Motlante was a keynote speaker, um, is Tantipai who's joining us on the line, uh, joining us as an economist and uh, managing director of uh, Nessen's advisory and research, uh, strategic consulting and research outfit and also as a contributor uh, to whiteness, Africans, Africaners addressing post-apartheid legacies and uh, talking to privileges and burdens. Good afternoon and welcome, Ganti. Uh, Hi, good afternoon, Christina. I almost said bye, and bye is your dad, right? <laughs> 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 Let me not respect disrespect with that. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking our call. I mean, I I know that uh, you are a social activist of note as well. Um, I, I mean, the boldness in in contributing to whiteness, Africans, Africaners, and and a very um, must have conversation in addressing post apartheid legacies. Uh, take us through. I mean, the dialogue um, itself. What was it like uh, to be part of that conversation um, before you even penned your contribution? Um, sure. Well, I mean, that's the first thing to say. Look, economists are social activists by definition, right? Because our social science is about actually looking into our social structure and understanding it and maybe helping to find solutions. Well, sometimes I, I wonder, though, if we ever do listen to you. <laughs> that's a problem. Huge problem. But... Uh, I think that the, the conversation was actually quite interesting, and I think one of the keys was that you know you had a really um, diverse group of people. Ordinarily, when people talk about these things, they will only have um, there are always conversations that are sort of um, you know the one side of it. So perhaps people who are criticizing you know mm. whiteness and Africans and all of that. Yeah. But I guess this was um, wonderful because, and also sometimes we have politicians or you just hold the social sector. But this was more of a more rounded uh, conversation because we had people, for example, who represented um, what you'd call, I guess, the African society, the African sector. Yeah. Um, even if they have not as fairly as they could. Then you had academics um, and, of course, President, uh, former President Motlanti, um, who is a, you know, obviously a politician, but also quite an astute intellectual uh, and, as I say, academic. So, you know, good... Um, and wide, and then of course there was the public um, that were also there to engage uh, the, the the panel, um, which I formed part of. So it was actually quite a rich discussion. Mm. Of course, one of the things that, uh, that uh, re- re- you know relate to any of uh, issues of race, it yeah. can get very noisy. I can imagine so. It was, so. It was quite noisy, be- uh, and you know it gets people up um, and half up and all of that. Because I think as we talk about 
you know, uh, legacies of the past. Mm. You know, racism raises head, people's defensiveness, yeah. people's needs, and all of that. So that came up quite a lot. Before we even get to the transformation part, which was your contribution, rightfully so, uh, what was the understanding in the room? Uh, what was the understanding of what whiteness means and represents? I think this is a, a, one of the things that um, we're, we're, we're being talked about because uh, when people talk about whiteness, um, it is as if it is actually about white people. So, and that actually, you know, um, there's almost a, an important distinction here in mm-hmm. the sense that, of course, um, because you, I work with you, there is all, you know, talk about privilege, right, that is created uh, by the past uh, that, uh, you know, attaches to people with white uh, skin. Mm-hmm. And of course, certain attitudes that already uh, those people, and because of that, uh, sort of privilege carry, as opposed to perhaps uh, white people and people who are racist. But then there is, of course, uh, undertones uh, and sometimes overtones, actually, yeah. so much as of, of racism within the you know uh, what we discuss as whiteness. So, anyway, um, they, that, I suppose that already come, brings people with with a, a lot of defensiveness that comes yeah, in, yeah. or. And, and, um, as you give that analogy, I mean, question comes to mind is, is this unique to South Africa? And respond to that when you return. At SAFM Radio and at Positive GP on Twitter. And uh, do join us uh, via various social media platforms at SAFM Radio, both on Twitter and Facebook. And uh, you can hashtag SAFM Lifetime Live. And we also welcome your SMSs 40938, charged at 150 per SMS. And uh, WhatsApp voice notes on 0614. 104107 and uh, yeah you can also um, send me a message at Positive GP. We also welcome your calls on 0891 104207 uh, talking about a publication um, about whiteness Africans, Africanas addressing post-apartheid legacies uh, privileges and burdens and joining us right now to look at uh, um, the transformation part um, contributed to the transformation part of this discussion. I mean many other uh, individuals contributed uh, immensely to uh, this discussion, very important uh, discussion of our time. And amongst the many people uh, was the former president, Halma Mutlante, uh, and uh, also inputs from Melissa Stein, Andre Snell, uh, Mary Barton, uh, Christy van der Vestazen, uh, Lynette Stenfeld, Bobby Gotzel, uh, Derek Herman, and Ernest Roots, and Kanti uh, Pai joins us as an economist. Now, Kanti, is, is the this uh, whiteness definition um, and like you say that uh, we almost in in our discussions always just place it to uh, just about South Africa uh, is it unique to South Africa no no it isn't at all I mean I think there's uh, this discussions of course about whiteness is that actually whiteness is almost a is, is undoubtedly global right because I suppose uh, there has been a, a and I think even you know uh, the, 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 the whiteness and the privilege that South Africa uh, I mean, sorry, the, the privilege that white people, for example, in South Africa enjoy is connected to the global privilege of uh, of whiteness globally. So, glo- uh, whiteness is definitely global. Um, ours may perhaps takes uh, a different kind of form because of our different kind of history, but it certainly is part of global whiteness um, in a very big way. There's no doubt about that. Perhaps uh, an interesting area would be that, of course, here there's also the, the language dynamic, which has been mm. actually also being described with Africans and Africanists themselves and how yeah. that also has taken shape because of uh, 
important parts of not just not colonialism alone, but also uh, apartheid that obviously attaches to Africans and uh, you know and Africaners, and that privilege. And of course, um, our issues we have as we try uh, the so-called social cohesion. Mm. Um, and so those kinds of things can be uh, very different. It represented differently in South Africa because sometimes they also, you know, you will hear things like, you know, uh, you know, Africaners and Africans, people will say, we belong here too. We, even though we speak Africans, Africans is a South, Af- is South African and we are local and we are in, uh, endogenous, endogenous, indigenous people and all of these kinds of things. And so that when we talk about, for example, Europeans, mm. that Africans themselves would not want to be European, so that perhaps they, fo- they, they intend to forego their whiteness that comes with being European. But it's it's not really a, a real discussion because, you know, whiteness and white people tend to actually be beneficiaries of global whiteness. So it's not a, a, a local thing at all, even though I suppose it does have local... Um, Location. Yeah. Now, talking to your contribution, uh, where you were talking about the demands of uh, new world um, sustains the sins of the old and, and enables um, uh, transformation or disables uh, transformation. Uh, so, in in your analogy. Uh, South Africa is known to be amongst the most unequal um, society, unequal country in the world. Uh, where is the blockage? Why aren't we moving with uh, the democracy, uh, with so many programs packaged to, to transform and empower um, and, and, and you know address some of the social ills of the past? Look, I think that in a sense, you know, so when we created inequality, which... Um, obviously uh, arose because apartheid and, you know, black people were basically held behind uh, and denied certain things. And we had literally closed South Africa and decided, you know what, South Africa is going to actually attempt, uh, and this was apartheid government, attempt to actually enable, um, you know, white white people, Africans in in particular, and make sure that they get ahead in the world. And for them to get ahead in the world, you'd have to hold back black people, you know, dispossess them of land, uh, you know, deny them education, deny them um, and as many opportunities as we can so that they stay behind and advance, uh, you know, a particular group. And that was that in a very closed system, right, because apartheid also had, you know, whether you were building businesses, uh, insurance companies, banks, giving land, farmers, uh, you know, advancing uh, farmers. That system in a closed world worked very well, giving people land, building them houses, making sure that they do well. And then, they did really, really well. And then when when apartheid ended and then we were getting into a new society and then South Africa opened up its borders and it was welcomed back into the world, it meant that there was one group that could participate actually in the global environment, in the you know, in global house prices, in global trade, because now we can actually export our farm produce, we can export our manufactured goods, we could export our skills, we could do anything and we could import nice things. When we started to participate in the world, black people had been left behind, mm. and that they couldn't actually participate in the, you know, in the fruits of a democratic open society. And if you try to actually help them to participate uh, with things like maybe try, you know, uh, special skills, education, mm. give them mm. land, try, and all these things that you say we've been trying, it now is difficult to do that right because it's an open environment. How can you actually, for example, start with minimum wages when? Um, 
people in the in the global west will say that minimum wages are going to constrain uh, export and people here say but also as we are discussing for example land redistribution and all of these things people say no 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 mm. you can't even try and for example in a, in a in our open environment try to say well how about then we also build uh, houses for black people in in urban centers because now urban land is open for the market and government struggles to buy it at market prices yeah which is a big thing as well about an open market right and open market things become very expensive because you're competing not just with locals but you're competing with the french and the americans mm. who, and Ghanaians who also want to buy the same land and government finds itself outside of the so-called uh, you know willing buyer willing seller for land and all of these things so those kinds of uh, constructs now of the new world make it very difficult for us to, re- to reverse the old world. And this is the difficulty that government keeps. And so now they're saying, look, we can't use these international principles. But it seems mm. that we're already stuck with our uh, international principles because we said so. Yeah. The new world has new principles and they are global and we have to abide by them. And unfortunately, and we we've, we've also created um, the new and old device uh, where there's there's now a new kind of exclusion uh, where when you have, uh, you know, this emerging um, uh, affluent black market, uh, the, the poor are becoming poorer. And and how do we then bridge that and be able to say uh, we we also in in the wealth there's also wealth creation it's not just about uh, create creating transformation spaces and please respond to that after this news headlines with Utsilisak. Thanks, Kusalda. Good afternoon. Former ANC MP Feki Mento has revealed to the state capture inquiry how she received a call while on a trip in China from one of the Gupta brothers who told her that former President Jacob Zuma would like to meet her. The Limpop ANC has rebuffed allegations of corruption and power-mongering against its treasurer, Denny Msiza. A widely circulated email alleges that Msiza is behind the 10 municipalities in the province investing with the troubled VBS Mutual Bank. And DA councillor in Nelson Mandela Bay Metro, Victor Magnati, is set to vote against his party in the motion of no confidence in Mayor Ethel Trollope. Details at 2 o'clock. Call Chris Salda now, 0891-104-207. And uh, we also welcome you joining us on uh, Twitter and Facebook at SAFM Radio and hashtag SAFM Lifetime Live. And SMS uh, 40938, uh, SMS is charged at 150 per SMS. And also your WhatsApp voice notes on 0614 104107. Uh, joining me on the line is Kantipai, uh, who is uh, an economist and uh, a, managing, uh, a managing director at uh, Nascent's Advisory and Research Strategy Consulting and Research Outfit. And joining us uh, to talk to a publication on whiteness, Africans, uh, Africaners addressing post apartheid legacies, privileges, and burdens. A conversation that is a must have indeed. Now, how do we then close this gap that as we provide an enabling environment uh, for um, you know other parts of our country uh, other races to emerge uh, that there seems to be uh, the new and old um, that it, there's an exclusion of those who don't have 
I think it's an interesting one, Christopher, uh, you were saying before the break that, you know, for example, there are some black people, you know, I mean, if you think about you and I, we have sort of, you know, have made it um, somewhat. And in a way, um, and it creates even a little, uh, some more inequality now within the group. Absolutely. And, taking, and if you think about it, it's taken a lot, and I think it costs a lot to create it, because I've created it in this environment. And so now the investment is nearly almost up to double to be able to actually create just a few blacks that actually make it um, in the world. And we have to find a way um, to bridge that gap. And I think it's going to take a little bit of bravery from the government, uh, who are actually, but also it's going to take uh, some recognition from the private sector um, of urgent need to actually face the problems they're facing so they have to participate. So that, um, not that we just need to suspend sort of the current, you know, the rules of the new world, but that actually the news of the world must be understood to not just be applied simplistically. That, you know, we have to actually lean into a little bit of complexity just in to say, well, global prices. Actually, we've got to recognize global prices are not going to be um, helpful at this stage. How do we find a middle mm-hmm. ground? How do we recognize the problems that we face? How do we even stomach the pain um, of redistribution um, and reform and that everybody must come to the party? Otherwise, if we trust, you know, that market forces will actually correct it, we are going to be on the wrong side of the um, of history. And I think in some way, actually, the system itself won't actually be able to hold. We were, Because in any case, who can, we can't participate in the globalized environment with the kind of property that we have and the kind of inequality that's growing. It's actually already excluding us. And so we are facing some serious, serious uh, t- troubles because people are already talking about the, uh, the, you know, the dangers of South Africa and an unequal society. Mm, mm, mm. So that people will even see the risks and they'll start to run away from us. That's it. I'm going to ask you, um, give you a taste of your medicine, the questions that you've put out there on the publication, uh, just to see if you manage to get the answers that can the social contract of uh, compromise survive so that uh, there's no losers and only winners. Can we get this? It can't. I think we can't. I mean, <laughs> we really can't. Uh, and I think that's the whole point. Uh, we've got to have, we've got to do something and we've got to do yeah. it quickly. Um, Otherwise, really, we're going to say collapse. I mean, those tensions that we see, uh, the protests that we see, yeah, continue to yeah. show themselves, are telling us something that we are not paying attention to. And any, you know, any society that starts to to be uh, as tense as ours, and then you see as much conflict as we are starting to see, even in the in the ground space, people that we think we are sustaining this for, and we're trying to get investment, and we're trying to be competitive, we walk away because they're going to say, "Look, we are looking at a civil war in there. Mm. Let me take my money now." rather than to wait until it actually happens. So we, it is us who are going to have to correct it and then make the world understand that that's the project we are involved in and actually ask them to participate. And I think that's a conversation we haven't had to say with two investors with everybody else. You guys have to help participate in this environment because many of them, in any case, benefited from this. Yeah, but in your um, assessment, is the environment enabling for us to have that uh, conversation and, and to, to just prevent what you term self-destruction? It, in some ways it is. I, I mean, I, I, I know everybody overblames government, but I do think the government has not been... What role are we playing? Um, there hasn't been... And about individuals, individual business people, individual skilled people, are not playing enough of a role to advance, to push, to speak the truth, to speak up. You know, mm. as I say, when you ask the question, so you know what, we have to be, those of us who have platforms of us who've made it, who can actually pull up others, who can actually speak against the system, those who can make a difference, but most importantly, the government who can then 
lead the process in, in, in a much bigger way. He has to be brave enough to take steps that are unpalatable yeah. and take us along. And that is probably what is going to be. Talking about being unpalatable, one of the big questions that were asked, and I'm interested in knowing, um, because you were there, you got to experience and be part of the dialogue. Um, One of the questions that were asked uh, is, do former colonial settlers, who unlike most of other parts of uh, a post-colonial world, uh, have decided in large numbers uh, to make the country their permanent home, as we know of Afrikaners, deserve equal recognition as members of an emerging nation? The, yeah, and I think this is an important question because what actually appeared to, uh, you know, there was a forum there and I think there was also solidarity. And it seems that instead of us actually asking for equal uh, recognition, they're asking for special recognition. They're mm. asking for to be, you know, we deserve minority rights, we deserve, um, you know, protection. But actually in a, in a society like ours, um, where we say you want equal recognition that everybody must be held equally. You can't then at the same time ask for special rights. You know, you can't have minority rights. I think this is right at the beginning where Nelson Mandela was actually trying to, to avoid to begin with that, yes, all rights must be protected, but you can't have certain people who have their own rights very different to others, but all must have the same rights and that, therefore, they must participate in the project of actually equality and equal rights and equal privileges. Uh, an equal outcome, really. So where to from here in conclusion? What were your conclusions in terms of uh, transformation? Well, as you know, economists are always asking questions and <laughs> to answer, you know, with both hands. Yeah. But I think, I mean, um, in essence, it was actually just maybe to highlight the key things that we don't talk about. And I think this is part of it. Um, and in the paper, I make this example that, you know, um, it's hard now to, you know, to, to move people uh, to, to do what we did in the suburbs. Uh, for example, you know, building amenities in the suburbs, nice schools, parks, and all of that in the townships, because first of all, there isn't the land. Second, it's much more expensive to do those things today than it was when black cheap labor was available. Yeah. So how do we extend those things? So, But to highlight to people that, in a way, we have these uh, constraints so that people mustn't say, well, we must do what for blacks, what we did for whites. That's, That's it. not a solution I... because things have changed. Well, well, I guess uh, th- this is how we can end the show. Where, where is the publication accessible um, for those who'd like to just uh, see the interesting insights and, and maybe uh, create dialogues within their environments? Sure. Uh, I understand that the, the, pub- the publication is only being launched on the 30th uh, at 5 o'clock at the Nelson Mandela Foundation in, in Houghton. And then I think there will be books there. And then I think from then on it should be available uh, at you know at all the major bookstores because it's only launching on on, on the thirtieth. So yeah. in a way, we've led the conversation as we promised. Sure. <laughs> Thank you, Kanti. Thank you very much uh, for joining us. Thank you very much. That's sure. Kanti Pai, who is an economist and uh, the managing director at the Nassan's Advisory and Research a Strategy uh, Consulting and Research Outfit as we're talking um, to whiteness, Africans, Africaners addressing post-apartheid legacies, privileges and burdens. Uh, this is a conversation, I guess, that continues. We can continue uh, talking amongst each other so that we find each other somewhere, somehow. And uh, you can join us in various media platforms that uh, we always share. But right now, let's uh, pay the bills and uh, we begin our conversation with uh, just reflecting on what Stimela says. Africa is changing. Where are you? African changes.